Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- a bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. I just feel like in this time that we're in right now, where there is so much hate and there is so much divide and there is just so much um, pain and, you know, a lot of learning that's going on as well, which is great. But this is a tough time that we're all going through, especially with just racial equality and whatnot. I felt, this is my opinion, that this could have been such a more powerful example of love or a statement if they would have stayed together. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we are coming to you on a Thursday. You know what that means. This is This Week in Bachelor Nation. We're going to be giving you all the Bachelor Nation news, all the parasocial plays of the week. We got those screams coming from deep within the pit. We are going to be going through the final week of gains for the players of Historic Season 25. But before we get into all of that, we want to let you know that right now you can go listen to Reality Steve's most recent podcast and you might hear both of us on it. And by might, I mean you will. <laughs> Unless he has done to us what the Bachelor producers did to Bree Springs on After the Final Rose, edited it all out. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Reality Steve asking <laughs> questions and no answers. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not as not as doable. <laughs> Not an easy lift. No, we had a great time talking to Reality Steve on this podcast. We talk about everything that went down in season 25, what is coming up for the next seasons of Bachelorette, and all the different gameplay and stuff that happened this season. And it's always fun to talk to him because he is of a certain level of knowledge about this game that very few people are. He's been here from the beginning covering almost every season uh, in one way or another. The founder of Bachelor Journalism. We owe it all to Reality Steve. So definitely check that out. And before we get into the meat of our podcast, we're going to start this one as we start all Thursday episodes with a little segment where we talk about some broader piece of news and then we tell you how it's related to our beloved game, to the nation in which we are all citizens, Bachelor Nation. This is Game of Roses. State of the world. Today in our state of the world, we are going to discuss something we haven't talked about in a while. That is still the biggest news story in the world. COVID. It's been a year of lockdown here in the United States and in many other countries around the world as well. And the reporting on it seems to have slowed down a little, due in large part to the various vaccines now available in limited quantities, and the overall numbers of new cases starting to slow down. So where are we at? We just wanted to check in with our old pal COVID, see where we're at. We have globally 121 million cases, 68.5 million people have recovered. We've had 2.67 million deaths. And in the United States, we have 29 million cases with 536,000 dead. So this virus obviously is very serious. It is killing people still. People are still contracting it. There are new variants out there. But currently, 
There are three approved vaccines that are being administered daily across the country and world. There is a Pfizer vaccine, which requires two shots to be taken 21 days apart. A Moderna vaccine, which also requires two shots to be taken 28 days apart. And then there is a Johnson & Johnson vaccine that is only a single shot, one time administered. These are all effective and safe, and anyone interested in getting the vaccine should check with your local government websites to see how and where they're being administered in your area. Clues, are you vaccinated yet? No, but I am trying to get that as quickly as possible. Are you? No, but I am (laughs) trying to get my parents vaccinated. That is the main, Mm -hmm. main thing I'm focusing on right now. Uh... But as of today, almost one in eight Americans is fully vaccinated, and that number is growing daily with about 113 million total doses delivered. Some of those are the first doses of two required for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. As the numbers have started to plateau, we are seeing more states relaxing their COVID protocols, with some like Texas declaring that they're completely reopening and dropping their mask mandates altogether. However, In some states, COVID-19 cases are still rising by more than 10%. One month ago, on February 17th, there were only three states showing increases of 10% or more, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Nebraska. But now, 14 states increasing by more than 10% are Michigan, Delaware, Montana, Alabama, West Virginia, New Hampshire, Hawaii, Mississippi, Maine, Nevada, Connecticut, North Dakota, Idaho, and Maryland. So what does all this mean for our beloved nation? The game, The Bachelor. As we've all been stuck (laughs) in our houses doing our best to quarantine and avoid large gatherings, we've been watching these players getting together at maskless COVID parties, basically from the beginning of the pandemic, dining indoors, generally ignoring every COVID protocol on the books. But now, as things are starting to open back up, especially here in LA, movie theaters and gyms just reopened this week. Did you know this? No. Yeah, on the 15th. A movie theater. Absolutely. I want to go see a movie so fucking bad, but I'm like. I do too, but. (laughs) And the gym. God, I miss both of those things. I'm not doing it this week. I'm specifically keeping tabs on those because those are the two public thoroughfares that I miss the most. Like I'm jonesing for both of them. (laughs) Once I get vaccinated, I'm back. Mine are are bars. Mine are bars and clubs. (laughs) Clubs? You go out to clubs? Well, not clubs, but like bars where there's dancing. Sure, sure. Bar Lubitsch, that type of shit. You know, I just want to be up on the people again, you know? (laughs) I don't share that desire to be up on the people, but, (laughs) you know, teach their own. (laughs) Some people like to be up on the people. I mean, I haven't been... I haven't been to a bar. I haven't been to a restaurant. I haven't been to Burning Man. I haven't. (laughs) Well, look, we are very likely going to begin seeing more of the same kind of COVID casual behavior that we become used to from players. We're going to start to see that in our friends' Instagram accounts because once they start getting vaccinated, they're going to be going to Burning Man. They're going to be going to be getting Mm -hmm. up on the people, as you say. And we're going to have to shift. Platonically. Of course, of course, platonically. 
But at some <laughs> point, our stigma of these behaviors is going to have to dissipate. We're going to have to shift mm-hmm. this mindset that we've been in for the past year where we see a picture of five people out at an indoor meal and think, holy shit, they're spreading COVID. That's going to have to stop. I've already shifted my mindset somewhat. At first, I had some of my 30-year-old friends getting vaccinated, and I was pissed. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, my parents haven't gotten vaccinated. I was pissed seeing all of these young people getting vaccinated. And now I've shifted, and I'm just like, yep, it'll be good. Everybody just get it. As soon as possible. And things might not be totally back to normal yet, but it does feel like we're getting closer to that happening with the vaccines, the flattening of the numbers and new cases in most states. And we have at least in Bachelor Nation, how it's all affecting that is we have at least one more bubble season with Katie Thurston's upcoming season 17 of Bachelorette. So we're still going to be seeing masked producers. There won't be any travel outside the resort in New Mexico, but then we get paradise. This is going to be 12 episodes of what looks like a COVID casual party with All the players drunk, hanging on each other, having fun out in the sun. Are we ready to see that? And then we get Michelle Young's season. If it's not in the bubble, we could have domestic travel again. Maybe even international travel if vaccine passports become a reality, which some people are saying they will. And once Bachelor is, in quotes, back to normal, will the rest of the country also be by that point? When does this idea of seeing people on social media and on TV engaging in normal maskless behavior become okay again i mean i'm very curious what's happening with the the whole vaccine passport scenario i have friends who are getting married and they're going to require people to provide vaccine proof Mm -hmm. in order to attend and i wonder if that'll become a thing at bars burning man etc all the most important things i think bars probably burning man probably not (laughs) Hey, they are um, <laughs> they're a very science-driven community. Yeah, maybe there will be a few tents there that require vaccination proof, but I don't think the, the event as a whole is going to be able to no, handle that. the Orgy Dome has already said they're not coming this year. <laughs> okay. They made a statement. <laughs> well, then why even go, you know? Right? Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, what was I saying? (laughs) Back to the Bachelor podcast. Here we go. I think we, I'm already seeing, you know, we had the people who were, you know, partying this whole time. For instance, Pilot Pete at the bars. No one's wearing a mask at these bars and clubs that he's going to. We're used to that. But I wonder if we're going to start seeing everyone in Bachelor Nation doing this. We're already seeing a lot of people traveling. That's been a huge thing. Listen, I the opening clip that we used for this very show was PP on Blake Hortzman's podcast, Behind the Rose. And part of that podcast, they're talking about going to Stagecoach again and how excited they are that it's going to be happening and all this shit. So yes, things are going to go back to almost exactly normal for people like PP who was not really following protocol anyway. He's just waiting for bigger yeah. events to attend at this point. <laughs> Should we I mean 
clearly he was feeling like he has been held back. He wasn't able to stagecoach it. Should we go to stagecoach? <sighs> I don't want to so badly, but I will do it for Game of Roses. Gore. <laughs> do you want to go do live coverage from stagecoach? I mean, I think it would be hilarious. Let's do it. I think it would be great for your TikToks. Let's do it. You trying to approach Blake Horseman. Give us a twirl, Blake. Give us a twirl. Hold out a microphone. Trying <laughs> to picturing. approach him? You mean me successfully approaching him, having an hour-long conversation with him in which he divulges his darkest secrets about his experiences on The Bachelor? Yeah, I can see that happening. <laughs> we'll get you like some sort of giant hat. So that you don't have to come in contact with the sun. I'm just going to cover myself in sunscreen. It will look like I am covered in white paint. <laughs> or I could wear a motorcycle helmet. We'll please do out. that. Please do that. And please wear the jacket that Juan Pablo wore on the K-pop date. Just a face of sunscreen and the Juan Pablo jacket. That is the image of Stagecoach 2021 that I want to see. I'll look like a Cenobite. <laughs> From Hellraiser, if you ever saw those horror movies. I don't know what any of these words mean. You never saw Hellraiser? No. No. There are these demons called Cenobites who have like unnaturally Uh white, like worm-like skin and they're dressed in kind of like leather bondage gear. Oh. Anyway, that's our state of the world. Thank you for indulging it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for this COVID update. We are keeping watch and time will tell how all these things play out. As it always does, even though time doesn't exist. And now we move on to that <laughs> part of the show where we're talking about the movements of all the players on Instagram from this season 25. This is... This Week in... Games. As you know, we are charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all of the players for this season. So let's jump in. The 11th and final week of Matt James's historic season gave us the highest level play we've ever seen in the finals between Rachel Kirkinell and Michelle Young, as well as what interim host Emmanuel Acho correctly called the most shocking after the final rose in the history of Bachelor Nation. The finale represented not only the conclusion of this season of play, but also Chris Harrison's last time on screen for the foreseeable future, the first time we've seen anyone but Harrison host after the final rose, and of course, the introduction of not one, but the next two Bachelorettes in Katie Thurston and Michelle Young. With so much packed into the last three hours of season 25, it's no wonder we saw a massive increase from last week of almost 20% in the key demo of adults 18 to 49, with a 1.49 rating, and the total number of viewers was at a season high 6.074 million. But the After the Final Rose saw a significant decline in viewer retention, dipping to 1.36 in the key demo and shedding almost 500,000 viewers to bottom out at 5.63, which was still the most viewers for any episode this season, aside from the finale that preceded it. Now, let's talk 
Instagram gains of season <laughs> 25 players. Let's start off with Matt James, the lead in question, our first Black Bachelor, the anchor of season 25. James packed on an impressive 39,000 new followers this week, but it wasn't enough to put him in the 1 million club. James currently sits at 994,000 followers, just 6,000 shy of breaking that magic barrier and becoming only the second black player in the history of our beloved game to do so. We don't know if he's going to do it. His season is over. He is not going to appear on Fashion of Paradise, I would guess. We don't know what his appearances in any successive versions of the show are going to be. He only needs 6,000 more followers. Will he get it? We he's don't gonna know. He's going to get it. I hope he's gonna so. He's going to get it. We need brown bear visuals, though, to come in the clutch and make some wrapping up final video about Matt James's journey and where he's at. Maybe following Matt James as he goes to therapy, which he has set up, which we will get to. It's an interesting idea. Brown bear, if you're out there, if you're listening, pitch Matt James some ideas. Get him over that one million hump. I think it'll happen. I think next week we will be reporting this. And if not, Clues, you must edit this out of this podcast. I never edit anything out of our podcasts. <laughs> also of note, Emmanuel Acho, the man who filled in for Chris Harrison, gained 38,178 Instagram followers in the past week, bringing him to 848,449 followers today on Wednesday, March 17th. And now for the top five follower gains. This is from last week when we recorded March 10th to today, Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. Our next next crown to be Michelle Young takes first place this week with the addition of a staggering 164,000 new devotees on Instagram who will no doubt love all 13 of her posts. Young now sits at 360,000 total, and we are very excited to see what she does with her freshly minted parasocial power as she waits in the wings for Katie Thurston to complete her run as crown so she can begin her own. It's no surprise that Rachel Kirkconnell is in the number two slot this week with an equally impressive gain of 118,000 new followers who do not seem to be distracted at all by her involvement in the biggest race-related scandal in the history of our beloved game. Kirkconnell now sits at a massive 601,000 followers, and although her future in the franchise is questionable, her future as an influencer is certainly not. I saw that she was recently verified on Instagram. Congratulations. In third place this week is queen-to-be Katie Thurston. After turning in one of the most astounding early season exit performances we've ever seen, garnering her the crown from an 11th place finish, Thurston packs on an additional 79,000 followers this week, taking her to 519k a number that is only going to grow as season 17 of The Bachelorette approaches. Bree Springs finds a home in fourth place this week with 44,000 new followers. 
rising from the fumes of her swan song performance two weeks ago, bringing her to a total of 262,000 followers. This is a solid base to build on when she touches sand in a few short months. And rounding out the top five in gains this week, Abigail Herringer brought in 26,000 new Instagram followers this week after some recent appearances on various podcasts. Herringer was a fan favorite this season and will no doubt join Springs on Sand, where we expect her to add to her already impressive total of 472,000 followers. The smallest gain crown this week goes to Corinne Jones, who shed 200 followers. Night one guys and girls have found their way to sand in past seasons, but with the historically large pool of players from which the producers can pull this season, it's unlikely Jones will make up this loss on sand. And now on to the season ending top five chart. We saw incredible play from a wide variety of players in this historic season. They battled down to the very end. But here's who wound up on top. Fifth place for the season went to Kit Keenan, the New York socialite who ended her own run with a knock-knock self-elimination in the round of six, walks away with 326,000 total followers. Impressive growth from the 45K she brought with her into the game. Fourth place in gains for the season goes to Michelle Young at 360,000 followers. Her stunning play all season long brought people to her Instagram in droves, despite having the fewest posts of any player this season, maybe in history. And now that she has secured one of the 2021 crowns, this number is only going to go up. Alex Michelle has fewer posts than her. He has zero. He doesn't have an account. Third place for this season goes to FIMP recipient herself, Abigail Herringer. She moves into her future as an influencer with 472,000 new followers, almost all of which came as a result of her play in-game. She began the season with a modest 7,000. Second place on the season went to our upcoming crown, Katie Thurston, who takes 519,000 followers with her into the next season of play, a massive increase from the 20K she started with. Her dildo play, second audience STCO, and double one-on-one hooju seem to only be the tip of the iceberg for how she might be able to change the way the game is played moving forward. And... The Instagram champion for this season was the embattled star player and ring winner, Rachel Kirkinell. She began the season with 9,000 followers and through a mix of strong group date and one-on-one play throughout the season, surviving a skydiving accident on camera and stellar mom play at the meeting of the family, she put on a gains clinic ending this season with 601,000 followers. Congratulations to all players of season 25. It was a pleasure to watch you, and we look forward to seeing some of you on sand. Pretty fucking impressive round of play. It's not what we saw from the players of PP's season. 
No. Some of them had a million by the end of his season. I'm talking about somebody called Sluice. I'm talking Pro about man. somebody called Madison Pro. <laughs> they did shit we've never really seen. And it was obviously in a different era. This season was fraught with all kinds of scandal. It was the first Black Bachelor. There was so much happening in this season that I think detracted from just a general kind of fan base having fun watching the show that it might have hindered all of these mm -hmm. players to some degree. And I am hopeful that many of them will get a second opportunity in Paradise. But these numbers were pretty good. I mean, 600K for the top, that ain't bad. That's something you can certainly build on. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's a very, very solid Instagram performance for somebody who is getting absolutely roasted online. Um, I did expect to see the finalists closer to 1 million, though. But as you're saying, a lot of other variables going on. COVID ratings are just generally lower. So... And I would also say one of the finalists was Michelle Young. She didn't really have a fucking Instagram account coming into the game. Everything she built was from zero, pretty much, you know? And to walk out of the game with yeah. 360K, and she hasn't walked out of the game, by the way. She's going to be the next, next Bachelorette. She could have a million easily, mm -hmm. I think. And this is a, a fantastic base to start with. I was just very impressed with everybody's play this season and... I am a little sad, I guess, that their Instagram numbers don't quite reflect that because I think the play we saw this season was actually better than what we saw in PP season and the players of PP season walked away with much higher Instagram counts. So that does kind of suck. But um, again, congrats to all these players. And I these think players. These, players, these players also, I would say, had better parasocial games than previous season. I mean, there's pretty much no one coming in here who doesn't know what they're doing in the Instagram game. Completely. And TikTok really, I mean, it existed during PP season, but nobody was on it. People didn't start getting on TikTok until the lockdown happened. That's when the app blew up. That's when you saw a bunch of Bachelor Nation people starting to get on it. McKenna Dorn, yeah. obviously Madison Pruitt. So I think moving forward, the idea that you could become an influencer is like, that's not even a second thought now. We've, we've seen it go from Instagram coming to prominence and people saying like, oh shit, I can become an Instagram influencer to like, oh, TikTok exists now. It's just being a social media influencer is a part of this now in a way that it, it was not prior. Yeah, we may, we should probably start tracking Katie Thurston's TikTok gains. We have I'm to. very curious what that's going to do. Um, Reality Steve asked us about who our favorite social media players were the season and we didn't really get into it but who were you most impressed with their parasocial play i mean i have to say god damn there were so many good ones if we're talking about like the unionization mm -hmm. move it's all of them you know uh right. i thought it's all of them really but Katie Thurston not only was part of the unionization move, she also then issued the tweet that we're going to talk about here in our parasocial plays that happened last yeah. week. That's like, that's hard to fucking beat, you know? But then I'm also kind of like, does Emmanuel mm -hmm. Acho count? Because his YouTube channel is parasocial play and he was able to fucking snatch the Dark Lord's throne with his parasocial power. That's insane to me. 
I guess Emmanuel Acho has entered the conversation. Is he a player? He's a parasocial player. He's not a player of our beloved game, but he's he was a parasocial player of season 25. Everybody's a parasocial player. So are we. So is anyone listening to this? If you have an Instagram account, <laughs> we're all playing that game. I would say I was a huge fan of what Chelsea Vaughn has done on social media. She didn't get the gains that we saw from some of these other players, but in my mind, she was doing everything perfectly. A mixture of glamour shots with direct-to-camera, relatable content. Really enjoyed what she was doing. I mean, Kit Keenan also hitting, like, she got major gains for not that much screen time, and I feel like part of that is that she has a parasocial niche and she just keeps hitting it over and over. Very consistent. I got to throw in Sarah Trot too. She really revolutionized what yeah. you can do parasocially from an early self-elimination that, I mean, she was barely in the show. She walks away with 193,000 followers. That's an influencer career. She's going to be able to sell. She's already been selling SpawnCon this whole fucking time. That's something we've never seen before. Somebody leaving that soon and walking away with, Almost 200,000 Instagram followers. Unprecedented. Yeah. And she came in with a strategy. Like, that was clear. At the beginning of the season... I thought you were going to say she came in with a boyfriend. That, too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was part of her strategy or not. But it is true. But, uh, you know, we looked at her Instagram very early on when we were just going over the players. And we were like, shit, she knows what she's doing. And indeed, she did. She got in. Mm -hmm. She got out. Notice all this controversy that is now swirling around the show. She was touched by none of it because she got out quick enough. No. Can you imagine if she had stayed in and let's say it, the final three wind up being Michelle Young, Rachel Kirkconnell, and Sarah Trott, who is now swimming in her own scandal of having a boyfriend when she's coming on the show. Yeah. I mean, she, you're right. She got out right in the nick of time to avoid the Rachel Kirkconnell scandal and her own scandal masterful hats off to all the players and congratulations on all your parasocial successes we are looking forward to continue reporting on everything these players do parasocially for the rest of our lives (laughs) and now before we move on to bachelor nation news please enjoy this word from our sponsor this episode is brought to you by fanduel football is back and the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro, FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, we are in the news this week. That's right. 
just hours after the official Game of Roses Twibbon podcast dropped last Thursday, in which we urged future leads to take control of their seasons through declarative tweets that force producers into specific courses of action, the next Bachelorette, Katie Thurston, issued the following tweet. I stand with other alumni who have expressed that learning and growth require time. I hope that Chris Harrison continues to take more time to step away while sincerely educating himself and dedicating himself to the work. We can all grow and do better with time, and I hope he does. The tweet has 3.6K likes, and more importantly, Chris Harrison will not be hosting Thurston's season. This move follows an important series of parasocial plays regarding the Chris Harrison-Rachel Lindsay interview. First, most players from both most recent seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette issued joint parasocial Instagram unionization plays supporting Rachel Lindsay and denouncing racism. This move also came shortly after we discussed the power of a social media unionization play on this very show. After that, several players of color had gone a step further, starting with Ivan Hall's parasocial play of the week ultimatum that he wouldn't be comfortable going on Bachelor in Paradise if Chris Harrison was the host. Other players joined him, including Piper James and Serena Pitt. But this tweet by Thurston came after the shooting of After the Final Rose when she was already locked in as the next crown. She tweeted this Thursday night and then Friday, a piece of Bachelor Nation news occurred that would change everything. The official Bachelor and Bachelorette Instagram accounts posted the same message on Friday. It was an all-black image with white text reading, Chris Harrison will not be hosting the next season of The Bachelorette. We support Chris and the work that he is committed to doing. In his absence, former Bachelorettes Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow will support the new Bachelorette through next season as we continue the dialogue around achieving greater equality and inclusion within the bachelor franchise we are dedicated to improving the bipoc representation of our crew including among the executive producer ranks these are important steps in affecting fundamental change so that our franchise is a celebration of love that is reflective of our world signed warner horizon and abc entertainment The Bachelor post has 92.5K likes and 16,000 comments. The Bachelorette post has 76.5K likes and 11.1K comments. Now, we're not saying we completely manufactured this situation. (laughs) We're simply stating (laughs) the facts here. Uh Uh-huh. We outlined a strategy to use tweets in order to control the producer's decisions regarding Chris Harrison not hosting the upcoming seasons of Bachelorette. We specifically said, leads have this power. Less than 12 hours later, a lead issued a tweet in the exact manner we outlined. Draw your own conclusions. (laughs) We have. (laughs) This, I mean, it's astounding on multiple levels. It's the first time you have a lead in my memory saying anything like this about a season that hasn't shot yet. You're locked in as the lead. 100%. Your season hasn't shot yet. Here's who I don't want hosting my show. Then the producers acquiesce to it and they say, okay, here's the two hosts of your show. Fascinating. The fact, though, that we have been talking about this type of shit, specifically, literally this, 
but also generally talking about the idea of players taking control of the game from producers through social media by saying, issuing joint statements, unionizations, all this shit. We have been actively discussing these things as strategies for six mm -hmm. months. It's starting to happen now. I do feel like people are listening to our show. I don't have conclusive proof of this, but I feel like <laughs> it's true. And I mean, we, I guess we have some proof. Some people, some players this past season have put out tweets and, and uh, Instagram comments or whatever, yeah. little videos, and those got removed. We talked about the degorification of the internet. Degorification, yes. So we do know that players are listening to, to Has our Has been show. well documented. <laughs> and I mean, I can't help but make that connection that the things we're talking about, the strategies we're telling these players to use in order to take control of the show back from the producers, they are using them. Could it be coincidental? Sure. But it doesn't seem like it to me. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I was extremely shocked to read this tweet. And, and I shouldn't be because we've manifested a lot of other things. But... And to be clear, we had been mostly saying that Michelle should tweet and we had been saying it should be, I'm excited that Otto is going to be hosting. So it wasn't exactly what we had called for, but the sentiment was the same. And I'm very curious about when these decisions were made. Maybe Thurston already knew that Chris Harrison wasn't coming back and wanted to get on the record as how she felt about it. I don't know. I think if she would have already known about it, why tweet it? Right. I mean, it's going out on a limb. She's going to get the hate from the rising Save Chris Harrison <sighs> MAGA Bachelor Nation. I personally think this was a, yes, they had Tasha and Caitlin on standby. They were waiting until the last mm -hmm. possible minute to make this decision. And then... Mm. Thurston sends this tweet and they're like, fuck, it's going to be Caitlin and Tasha. Do you think this did it? I think it pushed it over the edge because it makes no sense to tweet it otherwise. Well, if the producers already told her like, you know, no, hey, no problem. We know you don't want Chris Harrison as your host. We're going to give you Tasha and uh, Caitlin. Why would she ever tweet this? You're right. There wouldn't be a reason to. Unless she's trying to make it seem like she did it. <laughs> it's a, a double I don't reverse know. psychology. I mean, I'm, but... I'm doing all these calculations. <laughs> I'm like that lady in that math meme with like the numbers yeah. hovering around my eyes. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, we, like I said, we don't have conclusive proof one way or another. I just know that the evidence is starting to mount. We are seeing more and more plays happen parasocially that are things we're talking about directly. And we know players are listening to our show, so we thank all the players who are listening. And if you are influenced by what we're saying, we hope that it's helpful because I do think some of these things are starting to um, change the way the game is structured and how the producers are being forced into more fair treatment of the players, which ultimately is what we need in this game, just like in all sports. You need the people who make the sport, who control it, to treat the players fairly. Otherwise, it's... It, it becomes what we saw this past season. And I don't think anybody wants to see that again. No. <laughs> the season was hard to watch. I, uh, 
I am looking forward to next Ides of March when Katie Thurston can come on Gore and let us know the timeline of all of this. That'll be fantastic. I look forward to it as well. But our next piece of Bachelor Nation news involves Bree Springs. She was interviewed by Rachel Lindsay on Extra this week, and Springs revealed that she made an appearance on After the Final Rose, but her footage was left on the cutting room floor. Lindsay then asked Springs to recreate her After the Final Rose appearance with Lindsay herself playing the role of Emmanuel Acho. Bree discussed getting closure, how she never talked to Matt after the final rose, and how she only heard from Rachel Kirkconnell since after the final rose taped. In addition to the unheard conversation Michelle Young had with Rachel Kirkconnell at After the Final Rose, we are now left wondering how much important footage is being kept secret by the producers and would a decision to reduce the finale to an hour and a half in order to add another 30 minutes to After the Final Rose have been more appropriate? Yes. <laughs> you could have eliminated nine out of 10 of those Matt, James, Chris Harrison one-on-ones. <laughs> I don't know if there were 10, but it felt like that. And this goes to the bigger question of all the things they've cut out of this show in what was supposed to be a season about racial sensitivity, representation, inclusion, they cut out a conversation between Chelsea Vaughn and Matt James where he's talking about his experiences as a black man and his hair growing up. They cut out day portions from three group dates where we could have seen more of the players interacting, more of the love story building, all in service of, in the main season, fueling the controversy of the five new players coming in the bullying the rumors about Brittany galvin being a sex worker just these horrible things that have made all these players lives harder then in this after the final rose they're cutting entire players experiences out in service of as you're saying more footage of the dark lord harrison roaming around the woods of nema <laughs> I really liked this summary that Two Black Girls, One Rose posted, Justine and Natasha. They said, shout out to Bachelor ABC for an epic failure and travesty of a season of our first and most likely only Black Bachelor. From Matt James's announcement in June to today, Bachelor ABC put in exactly zero work behind the scenes to ensure that this man's story was told with nuance and care. Instead, they cast a contestant with a well-documented history of racist behavior to potentially marry this black man, edited out any semblances of blackness from Matt's on-screen footage, exploited his childhood trauma, and showcased the absent black father narrative. Still haven't fired Chris Harrison permanently and continue to placate to their prejudiced white audience who haven't stopped littering social media with their hate and racism. Just thought that was a very succinct way of summing up how they handled this season it can't be said any better that was literally perfect and it begs the question who is truly controlling what is getting put into the show is it people who are having outcry on social media for more representation or is it the core of their audience let's call it the base if you will of bachelor nation <laughs> that is <laughs> clearly racist i mean the, some of the shit they're saying about put chris harrison back and i mean that sentiment is still very much a part of this it seems like they don't know which way to go and in fact both of their band-aids are let's put a one white woman and one black woman on it they're doing this for the next crown and they're doing this for the next hosts with Katie and Michelle being announced at the same time 
and Caitlin and Tasha being announced at the same time. Will this fence riding work? As long as ABC is still a broadcast network and they are strapped to Nielsen ratings to make their money, they do have to appease that other side of the audience because that's where those numbers come from. As soon as they embrace the fact that millennials and Gen Z are actually a larger overall audience than baby boomers and Gen X and they go fully streaming, Mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want with it in terms of inclusion and representation. They're just worried about their money. But there, I mean, there are already shows like that that appeal to Gen Z much more. There are other dating shows. Like, is this just going to become the right wing dating show? Is it already? I mean, it has been for 25 years. (laughs) I know, know, but (laughs) you're right. You're right. It's Um, just about when these network executives can finally let go of the idea that the network TV audience is actually the majority of who's watching this. And again, it has to do with how they make their money. And that model of network television ad revenue has been in place since fucking TV started, you know, whatever it is, 80 years ago. And there are people who have been in it for that amount of time. You think they're going to change? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, I mean, I'm seeing the ghost references. I'm seeing the, uh, what is it? Mrs. Robinson. The Graduate. (laughs) That movie's from 1960-fucking-two. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is from the 80s. Like, they got work to do, and as long as they're getting paid not to do it, I think they're not going to do it. Speaking of company men, the Ides of March has come and gone with appearances by both P.P. and his once-girlfriend Kelly Flanagan on various forms of social media, but none that yielded the earth-shattering bombshells we were expecting after their admission one year ago via Instagram that they had a lot of tea to spill. Flanagan's appearance on Caitlin Bristow's Off the Vine podcast merely corroborated the notion that P.P. was to blame for the breakup because he could not relinquish his proclivity for partying, and P.P. appeared on Blake Horseman's Behind the Rose podcast to suggest Matt James should have stayed with Rachel Kirkinell despite his aversion to her racist behavior before plugging his upcoming children's book that chronicles his journey as a pilot looking for love. It looks like, at least for the time being... Whatever inside information these two have will remain a secret. PP will talk when Jed talks. The Ides of March was a date I looked forward to for a very long time. One year. I know. And PP disappointed me. This is not <laughs> what I was expecting from him. Or Kelly Flanagan for that matter. I really thought there was going to be a massive revelation about how the producers fucked with their relationship on the show and off. I thought we were going to get something very good. And I think their breakup, unfortunately, kind of dissipated the need for either of them to do it. Because when they were together, revealing this information would have strengthened their relationship. They felt in some way, I think, they needed to defend why they were still together. And they could have done that through the idea that like the producers tried to keep us apart, and here we still are. The show is fucking shit. But now that they're apart, 
and PP is out at the fucking clubs doing his Kygo impersonation. I, he just doesn't give a <laughs> shit anymore, you know? I mean, here's my optimistic theory, and maybe it's not optimistic according to who you are, but my theory is maybe PP touches sand. PP can't reveal no tea because he's going to touch sand. I want this to happen, and I feel extre- I feel extremely conflicted about it because I know, and especially what he just did regarding talking about Matt James, PP is extremely problematic. But I want to see him on sand. Who doesn't? I think he's <laughs> their number one pick for sand, male number one pick for sand. Maybe Tyler Cameron's in there, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to do it because he said on this uh, podcast with Blake Hortzman that they talked about paradise and he just kind of laughed it off like absolutely not i think he's been traumatized enough by the producers that he wouldn't go back on it and he has you know whatever 1.8 million i think followers or something like that like he doesn't truly need it how many more followers is he going to get off of a sand run i don't know but ides of march has come and gone could find love hello (laughs) yeah As soon as he gets interested in anybody, the producers are just like, Kelly Flanagan's back. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry. I know how much you were looking forward to this date and the tea. There just but. still hasn't been like a massive player who's still that prominent within the culture come out against the show in a real way, you know. You get little hints here and there. Even when Sean Lowe said in an Instagram story, or maybe it was a YouTube video, that the producers pick everybody except your first pick and the order they come out. He said that on his story. Or maybe Catherine's. It still wasn't like an attack on the producers. He's like, yep, that's how it works. Ha ha ha. It's like, wait a minute, dude. You just basically said the whole show's a lie. Can't we talk about that a little more? At any rate, we thank PP and we thank Kelly for everything they've done. And everything they continue to do within our beloved nation. And now we move on to rumors in Bachelor Nation news that Zach Clark and Tasha Adams are on the rocks. Tasha didn't have her ring on, and Zach's mom unfollowed Tasha and the clickbait Instagram account. As these rumors were swirling, she was quick to put out an IG story about how she didn't have time to get her ring cleaned or sized, and when she was in Los Angeles, she dropped by Neil Lane's studio to have these things done, assuring us all they are still very much together. What do we make of she this? She has the demon's protection. I know several people personally who I don't think could handle this breakup, so I hope it's not true. <laughs> I found Tasha's video to be damage control a little bit. And the ring story may or may not be true. The thing about Zach's mom unfollowing Tasha and the clickbait Instagram account is true. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck does that happen? She's a huge fan of gore and she didn't like what they said about clickbait. <laughs> or what they said on clickbait about gore. <laughs> that has to be it. I agree with you. <laughs> it just seems odd to me that you're future mother-in-law would unfollow not only you but one of your business endeavors as well i mean my future mother-in-law better follow all of my business endeavors or i will be very upset well we don't know exactly what's going on here but that is the news of it we will be continuing to cover this i feel like 
I feel that this is the beginning of the end. Oh, shit. Well, statistically, that is likely. Indeed. Speaking of Bachelor Nation rumors, there is another rumor out there, and that is that Matt James and Heather Martin are dating. Yes, that's right. Heather Martin, who was only on his season to play with pizza boxes in her quarantine room (laughs) and then make one attempt to try to be a vet on a second tour and was denied. But they are in the same city a lot per both of their Instagram accounts, both in LA and New York at the same time. And those are not... Very big cities. Heather posted a picture to her Instagram story. It is a POV of her hand holding a glass of wine against a glass windowed wall. In the reflection, you see a silhouette of a person who looks like Matt James. Clues sent me this image. It is inconclusive (laughs) at best. I'm not saying it's an exact image of Matt James. It's a silhouette. You can see no detail in it, but it could be him. Some people think it is. This rumor is out there. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, Patty James also followed Heather Martin. Honestly. You know how I feel about what Patty does on Instagram. I don't trust it. That's fair, but this is out there. This rumor is out there. We don't have any kind of conclusive proof. Hey, they're in the same circle of friends. Why not? Why not go down the line like PP? I'm wondering if this will just be a model for all future bachelors that they just try them all out. Try out your 16th place. Try out your 6th place. Find one that fits. And... We just wanted to wrap Bachelor Nation news up with a small discussion about the players getting a release for Katie Thurston's season. They're starting to come out now. Reality Steve is reporting on them, and we expect that the official ABC Bachelor account will probably release them soon. And there is this thing that happens with Bachelor players when they get released that we in Bachelor Nation start to look at all their Instagrams, all their social media, and sometimes stuff comes up from their past like it did with Rachel Kirkconnell, like it did with uh, Lee Garrett, like it did with Garrett Agarian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list is long. And there is this idea within Bachelor Nation. Victoria Fuller. Victoria Fuller. And there is this idea within Bachelor Nation that it is somehow our responsibility to begin the social media vetting of these players and then deliver that information to the producers. However, they are not yet officially releasing any of these players. And even when that happens, they start shooting Katie's season in about a week. Is that enough time for anyone to then also find out how you have to contact the producers? Cause there's no open channel to do that. And then verify whatever information you may have about any of these people so that we don't wind up with a situation like Lincoln Adeem, who was convicted of an indecent assault and battery one week before his season of bachelorette aired for which he got two years probation, or like what happened last season on Bachelorette with Easy Nwachukwu, where credible allegations of sexual assault started to emerge as he was on the season. His accuser, the victim, tried to contact production of the show mm-hmm. unsuccessfully. They issued a statement 
in, I believe it was an Us Weekly article. Shit, I forget who covered that, but somebody did a pretty good coverage of it. Oh, no, you know who it was? It was Huffington Post. HuffPo. The yeah. two writers who just got fired from Huffington Post and had their podcast dissolved in the big layoff round. They did a, a pretty comprehensive article about it. And essentially, we found out that the victim contacted ABC, or at least the production of Bachelor. They did a rudimentary investigation that was one phone call and like, nope, we got nothing. And they moved on with their lives. So this idea comes up. How are these producers vetting these people? How can so many people slip through the cracks? Every year, there's at least somebody who has problematic behavior, if not criminal, in their past. And they still wind up on the show. Yeah, they say they're doing a background check and it's not coming up. But how does a conviction not... Well, I guess this came up before it aired, but there was one season I remember where they disappeared a guy. Do you remember this? Was it Hannah's? I think it was. Yeah. It was some Bachelorette season where a guy was only in the first couple episodes and then they just didn't address it and he was pulled. And I'm like, I guess that could happen. But if they should... They should be clear about what their vetting process is, especially given the fucking results of the ineptitude of that process this past season and like traumatizing Matt James, which is what they did by allowing this to happen. You would think that if something like that happens, you're like, let's not have this happen again. And if it is, if crowdsourcing is the best way to find this information, give the information to the masses give a contact info, you know, don't expect people to go to reality Steve with all of this. I just kind of feel like they don't care if they truly cared about, if they were like, we have to make sure no one ever gets on this show again, that either has problematic past behaviors or race or any of that is concerned or a criminal record. What, you know, however far up the chain of transgressions Mm -hmm. you want to go, if they want to make sure that whoever they cast as the lead has a clean pool of 30 to 35 players, all of whom are there seemingly for the right reasons. At the very least, they're not going to have a scandal blow up in their face. Then set that system up. If you want us to do it, we'll do it. Give us the names. <laughs> Give us a way to contact you with yeah, credible give information. Us the last names. It's, it's absurd for them to put the names out a week before they start shooting with no possible way to contact them in any credible fashion which leads me to believe they do not give a shit they would rather handle the fallout than do the preliminary work of trying to stop it from happening in the first place because the fallout as you say can be handled potentially by disappearing someone they only really got in trouble this season because she won the ring right if she hadn't this wouldn't have happened. There would have been no Chris Harrison defending her on extra. There would have been no mm-hmm. after the final rose of the manual Acho. If she would have left somewhere in like round of six, none of this would have happened. And I wouldn't have been spoiled. Most importantly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris Harrison, you fucker. <laughs> uh, that is what is most important. As we know, the spoiling of pace case, but we just wanted to take a moment to address that as we're entering a new season of Bachelorette and this entire idea of how they choose these players. It's always called into question. We always get to this point. Yeah. Where I know Katie Thurston's season is going to have one or two guys on it, and maybe they'll be night one guys, so it won't really matter, but maybe they'll start to make it. And the further a player makes it, the more shit comes out about them. 
So just set up a system. Hire a fucking private investigator. I've, I've said this a million times. I don't know how much money that would cost for a private investigator, a team of them, to look into all 30 players. But whatever background checks you're doing seem cursory at best. Maybe you're looking for felonies and nothing comes up. So you're like, fine, that's all we need to worry about. But that is clearly not all you need to worry about. I am more on the side of it's kind of an impossible job and you need crowdsourcing. I know on the last Love Island season, they took a guy away at some point because they found out he was in porn or something <laughs> like other shows struggle with this as well. Um, not that I think doing porn should disqualify you from Love Island, but there is this strange idea that the producers have that the show is somehow divorced from the audience. It is not. It's the same entity. When these players are released, whenever that happens, let's say it's even night one. Let's say you hold back their identities until we see them on TV. As soon as it happens, the process begins. We all go through every moment of these people's lives that's online. That's going to happen every season. It's a part of the show. So to, in any way, try to stop it from happening or delay it or pretend it's not a part of what's happening is insane at this point. So they should embrace it. They should put the names out as early as possible. They should give us their Instagram accounts, their Facebooks, whatever. That's a part of it. That's part of being a player. You have to withstand this uh, high level of scrutiny. It seems like they can only handle one tiny minor change at a time. So I don't see any change in this happening in the near future. That's not even a fucking change. All they need to do is put the names out a little earlier and have a fucking email address. I'm not asking them to like, you know, Mm -hmm. restructure the entire game. Again, this is something that already happens. We're going to do it with all of the players of this season as well. And if any of them have shit, it will be found. So just let us tell you that before you put them in the show. That is not a huge ask. Clues is like, hire me for free. I'll do it. Just give me last names. <laughs> I've already been hired for birth. free. We're doing a fucking however many hours promotion for the show every fucking week. <laughs> We're not getting paid by them. That is true. There's an easy solution here. The work's already being done. Just accept the work. We've manifested bigger changes so let's put this one out there (laughs) producers if you're listening here's what you need to do put the names out earlier of the players only by a couple of weeks by the way and have an email where people can send you stuff that's it that's the whole job i feel like there's a part of it where they're like then we will be responsible and they just don't want to be responsible sure it puts a level of liability on it but in the end Mm -hmm. do you want season 25 to just keep repeating giant scandals that absolutely not never again that's what i'm saying like they have to have a higher bar where vetting is concerned they have to now and the easiest way to do it is to give us the names earlier and set up a channel of communication where people can give you information and obviously you're going to get a bunch of shit that's like I was in the fifth grade with this person and he was a real asshole to me. You're going to get a tidal wave of that. You're going to have to sift through Mm -hmm. it. It may mean hiring someone to read the emails, but you also are going to get credible shit. And that can save you from having another season 25. It can avert disaster with a little preparation. You just have to be willing to do it. And I know it means change to something that some people have been doing for decades, but shit is changing now. 
And if you don't change with it, the show fucking dies. Because I don't know if it can withstand another thing like this. We fucking talk about the show 24 hours a day. The season was almost too much for me. I was a fucking thread away from being like, fuck this, I'm done, I don't care. Because it's so abusive what they do to these fucking people. And then to just cavalierly be like, well, we didn't know. But now we're going to take complete control of the situation. Handcuff Kirkconnell so she can't say anything. Handcuff Matt James so he can't say anything. It was just like, I can't fucking roll through another thing like that. And that was not my scream from the pit. (laughs) I mean... I can't continue. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) Everything you're saying is true. I mean, this was a rough one. (laughs) With that Uh, said... Now we're moving on to the next portion of our show where we talk about all the plays our favorite players are making off the field and on their cellular telephonic devices. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. First up in parasocial plays... The most recent Bachelorette crown, Tasha Adams, posted a glamour shot of herself in a brown dress, leaning up against a wall, arms up, with her face in the sun. The caption reads, trading in the crown and dress, but don't stress. So excited to spend another season with you all. See you on your television screen this summer. And you thought you could get rid of me. Sparkle emoji, winky face emoji, hashtag the Bachelorette. So... It looks like, despite her declaration on clickbait that she doesn't like Game of Roses, she has checked out our podcast and now resides deeply in the pit. (laughs) The post has 295,000 likes and 2,400 comments. Adam stands at 1.8 million followers. Will her temporary hosting duties push her into making history once again as the first black player and first player of color to join the 2 million club? Bristow is also at 1.9 million, right on the precipice. Speaking of crowns, who are now hosts? Caitlin Bristow posted her own parasocial play to commemorate the occasion a video of her and Tasha Adams dancing and drinking wine with the caption, Let's go girls at Tasha." The post has 201,000 likes and 3,800 comments, including Instagram queen Hannah Brown, Weighing in with, y'all will crush it, exalted arms emoji. And previous temporary tingless host, Joe, 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 Joe Fletcher said, go girls. Previous crowns, Emily Maynard <laughs> and Desiree Siegfried jumped in on the comment chain as well. The queen power was overflowing from this cup. Will we get another Pass the Rose video? I think about that video probably once a week. And I'm always just like, how the fuck did they do it? The amount of coordination, the scheduling, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think we see another one of those for a very long time. I don't think we do either. I think it was too much work. This, what we're referring to is a parasocial play we talked about at between last season where every single bachelorette except for Meredith Phillips um, passed a rose between each other during the quarantine. Next up in our parasocial plays of the week, 
Emmanuel Acho posted on his Twitter a video of himself regarding After the Final Rose. The tweet read, My favorite conversation from The Bachelor After the Final Rose that you never saw due to limited time. When there's a chance for reconciliation, always take it. The video shows him in front of a bookcase describing a deleted scene. It's a conversation between Rachel Kirkinell and Michelle Young that apparently was not in the schedule, but he made happen. It was about Michelle reaching out to Rachel after the scandal and Rachel not responding to her. Nacho says they both poured their hearts out, but we still have only seen the still photo of this conversation, no video. The tweet has 4.1 thousand likes. Our season 25 bachelor, Matt James, entered the parasocial play conversation this week with a tweet that he also posted to his Instagram story. This tweet went out during the finale, and it read, Google dot 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 therapist dot 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 near me with a handwriting emoji in between each of the words. The tweet has 63.8 thousand likes and 4.2k retweets. A bold move from a lead during the airing of his own finale. A bold move, but also a pitch for the next TV show directed by Brown Bear Visuals starring Matt James. Matt James Seeks Therapy. I watch it. Next up in Parasocial Plays, not a player, but American singer Dionne Warwick tweeted, just discovered the Bachelor hashtag, why is this show still on the air? The tweet has 17.1K likes and 1.4K retweets. Dion, The Bachelor is still on the air because it still wins every Monday night. The ring winner of Tasha's Bachelorette season, Zach Clark, tweeted, Matt James is a good man. Emmanuel Acho is a good man. I support good men. Thank you for inspiring me, Emmanuel Acho and Matt James. The tweet has... 6.1 thousand likes. Always nice to see ring winners supporting leads. While all of these parasocial plays were quite strong, and a lot of Twitter parasocial plays this week, actually, the winner was also a tweet. Our parasocial play of the week goes to Katie Thurston's last ultimatum tweet before going into the bubble that we covered in Bachelor Nation News. This was her last public communication to shit talk DLH. This is a new game now. This play was beautiful to us, obviously, for <laughs> reasons we've discussed. Previously stated reasons. <laughs> we, we believe <laughs> we influenced the play. But the play's influence was also incredibly drastic. This is changing the game. And it's the first time we're really seeing this whole season with the the plays that we were talking about up top as well, the unionization plays, but certainly this one. We're seeing the players start to take control of what the show is, how they are treated within the game. And in this case, (laughs) that resulted in the fucking removal of Dark Lord Harrison. I mean, she could not do it alone. This play built on the plays of all of the players from season 16 and season 25, their ultimatum plays. It plays on Ivan Hall's declaration of not going to BIP, but Katie Thurston, as the next lead, not even next next, the next, 
her tweeting this is an incredibly powerful statement. I wonder if we are going to see more and more unionization, the players taking back some control from the producers, because the show needs the players, just like in sports. They need them, and they should be taking care of them more than they are right now. Especially the leads. And I think we're going to see more parasocial plays like this from Kitty Thurston when she gets her phone back. Her season, watching her season and seeing what she's doing parasocially while it's airing is going to be fascinating. I don't think we will have seen anything like it. She's going to be controlling the narrative from every fucking angle. So congratulations, Katie. We are looking very forward to your upcoming season and everything that you do parasocially. We did have a few notable parasocial errors of the week that I did want to highlight. Clay Harbor tweeted during After the Final Rose, watching After the Final Rose without Chris Harrison is like watching Judge Judy with no Judy. He followed it up 12 hours later with a tweet saying, simply stating after 20 years of the same host that it felt different without him. That being said, I thought my former teammate, Emmanuel Acho, did an absolutely amazing job of hosting. This tweet was in no way meant to be suggestive or political. The initial tweet has 1,000 likes. Emmanuel Acho responded with the curious monocle emoji. Loose tweeter Dylan Barber replied to this thread, too late, you're canceled. To which Harbor responded, two laughing, crying face emojis. Is Clay Harbor trying to take mayor of paradise and now mayor of MAGA Bachelor Nation, Jordan Kimball's job? Sure seems like he's making a run for it. Our next parasocial era of the week goes to Ari Lion Dyke Jr. He posted a series of Instagram stories of himself and his second choice for wife, Lauren Lion Dyke, getting pulled over by the police and joking with each other about Lauren not paying the registration fees for his car. The first video is scored by the cop's theme song, Bad Boys, Bad Boys, What You Gonna Do? And the entire tone of this piece is very jokey, certainly not caring at all about the threat that police pose for a large number of citizens living in the United States who are not white. I truly thought this was going to be the parasocial error of the week, but we got one more. The winner of this title goes to PP Pilot Pete, our previous bachelor, went on Instagram Live with Sweetnums, his mother, and went on Blake Horseman's podcast to declare that he thinks that the first black bachelor should have stayed with his ring winner with a racially insensitive past and done the emotional labor of educating her himself in order to cure racism and show that love conquers all. It was a take the world didn't need, but now we have it. And it beat Ari Leyendike joking about cops. But there you have it. That's all of the most powerful parasocial plays from this week, along with some of the biggest errors. And now comes the time in our show when Pace Case and I throw a rope down into the pit and then ignore the rope and jump straight to the bottom so we fall as fast as we can. This is... Screams from the Pit! My scream this week, Clues, is historic. Mm. I had a bachelor first. I bought my first SpawnCon. I won't say which bachelor parasocial relationship this was. 
I don't want to say what the product was because it's free advertising. Why did I buy this item? The power of this parasocial relationship that I have with this person that I don't know compelled me to purchase this thing. It looked like this person liked it and I purchased it. And was I disappointed? No. I liked it way more than I thought I would, and now I'm going to buy everything that Bachelor players advertise to me. Your entire life is just going to become filled with Bachelor SpawnCon products? I will say it was in the health and wellness and beauty space. (laughs) I think I know. Who might have convinced you? Will you, or will you, let me ask you this. How long Uh until you are wearing a hoodie with, Tyler Cameron and Matt James eating pizza on it. I mean, I would wear that if someone gave that to me today. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, when are you going to be um, compelled to start purchasing? When am the, I going to buy that? The clothing that these people make. What's the price point? <laughs> I bet that's like 50 bucks. That's not true. I just start wearing all SpawnCon. Why not? That's a look. Haven't I seen mean, it yet. I'm not that far. I feel like. I held out on doing this for so long that I feel like now I've opened the floodgates and who knows what I'm going to buy. And your life is enriched by it. The product. You like the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll use it again whenever whatever it is runs out. I will use it until it runs out. Will you buy it again though? I. You know what? Time will tell. I will come <laughs> with an update on that. Time will tell. <laughs> But this was a threshold that I never thought I would cross, and here I am. That's interesting. I have not bought any Bachelor Spawn Con, but I have bought things advertised to me through Instagram. I, in fact, almost exclusively shop that way, and when I need things. But you bought something from a Bachelor person. I mean, is that Spawn Con? No. He wasn't sponsoring He advertised it. But it was his own thing. He bought weights wholesale. And then he was like, I have all these weights, I'll sell them to you. And then he sold them at a profit. That's like his business. I have engaged a bachelor player in their business, but he wasn't like- You supported a small business. Yes, run by a bachelor player out of his backyard. (laughs) But you didn't buy something from a big corporation that they were just the face of, you're saying? Yes. Got it. Well, I look forward to that scream one day. It's probably coming quickly. cross this threshold- (laughs) Across the Rubicon, here I am. Well, I'm glad that you've done it. I'm glad that you've taken the step and you've further evolved your relationship with Bachelor Nation. Speaking of evolving my own relationship with Bachelor Nation, my scream this Mm -hmm. week is not a scream. It's a call. As you may know, I have stated many times on this very show that one of my goals with our relationship with the game is to get a player in the game who we have coached. Mm -hmm. To this end, over the past year, I have had some people reach out to me, DMs and even some emails to our Game of Roses email saying, I'm a player or hopeful player, or I'm a friend of someone who's a hopeful player. Would you help this person? Or can you tell me, can you look at my Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And I've engaged some of them who I felt had enough raw talent to maybe actually be players in the show. I won't reveal the results of those engagements, but I will say this. (laughs) Uh I am now ready to kick it up a notch. And my scream this week is a call to anyone out there 
who has a friend oh God. that wants to be a player on Michelle Young's season or to any prospective players, people who might want to be on Michelle Young's season. Hit me up. Send me a DM. I want to coach someone into that season for a deep, deep run. And I am positive I can do it. If you have anybody, if you have a nominee, send them my way. But only if they're serious about it and only if they're willing to accept the coaching. This isn't a thing where I'm like, oh, here, try this, try this, try this. I'm going to say, here's exactly what you need to do. And this person must be amenable to that. And please do not send me any recommendations for players. I need to have the actual players be the ones that message me because I will not have time to look through every possible Instagram account of anybody who thinks somebody might be good to play. I need the actual players to hit me up and say, I want to make a deep run. Do I have what it takes? And please no hurt feelings if I take a look at your Instagram and it ain't working out. Like, how are you responding to people who don't have the raw talent? There will likely be no response. I will look at everybody's Instagram Mm. and I will respond to the ones that I think I can actually coach through to a ring or another crown. That's what I'm looking for. I want to coach a player into a very deep run. (laughs) So hit me up. That's my screen. I mean, you are... Starting a new business. That's a deep scream. It is a new business, and there may be a part of a business model. I want to do the first one for free. And then I want to not do any more for free. But (laughs) if I can get somebody that deep with an official coaching, not an indirect coaching through our show, because we've been doing that for free for about a year now, and that has had some Uh very successful results. That's all I'll say. But I want to do one directly now. a a deep strategy building session for at least a couple of months before you go into the bubble to tell you every situation that you're going to encounter, what all of your plays should be, the archetype you need to build for yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly that all starts with how to build your Instagram, what you're going to need to do to change it before you even apply to be on Michelle Young's season. Wow. So all two of our male listeners DM clues. (laughs) (laughs) Or any of the non-male listeners who have male friends that they think would be good for this. I mean, as we know, Mm -hmm. the greatest player of all time, Nick Vial, that's how he got into the show. His friends nominated him. And the rest is history. But yeah, I would reiterate that they need to be serious and open to an extreme level of coaching. But that's it. I'm, you know, I'm always looking to kind of take the Game of Roses brand and what we do to the next level. And for me, that's it. We're wrapping up the first draft of our book and that's going to obviously change things when it comes out but i'm now looking for like i want to have personal involvement with a player's deep deep run in one of the upcoming seasons and the first one that we could do is michelle young obviously everybody for katie's season is already cast well i wish you luck in this next iteration thank you very much and again these DMs should come to Bachelor Clues. Don't send them to Game of Roses. Don't send them to Pace Case. Send them to Bachelor Clues or hit up our email, which is on our Instagram. But that is it. Thank you, everyone, for coming with us on This Week in Bachelor Nation. It has been a journey. This has been one of the craziest weeks in the history of Bachelor Nation. Yeah. And shit is only getting crazier. We are going to be releasing a Patreon-only episode this coming Monday, which is our top 10 takeaways from this season. You're not going to want to miss that because it may not even be top 10 takeaways. It might be top 100 takeaways. I don't fucking know. So much shit happened (laughs) 
and it changed the game in so many ways. We're going to be going through it all, as well as giving out our MVPs of the season, plays of the season, errors of the season, all of that on Monday. So please join us for that. That is at www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, slash Game of Roses. And before we go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,932 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Care.